Welcome to episode 65 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Hadamia. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary, <laughs> the worst Hi. week ever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, we, this is the tail end. Now I just have to get through the next six days. I'm taking Friday off of work oh. and I'm disappearing into Never Never Land, You're bitch. You're so lucky. And you, um, so basically, I'm getting a hotel. And I'm yes. like saying peace out to everybody. But you're coming to the hotel. I'm very excited about because that. Because we are going to record two episodes Ooh. for Easter. Because I'm not going to be here oh, Easter. Oh, i got to do a double. Dang. we got to do a double this week. So there's your homework. Oh, <laughs> no. I forgot but, about that. Um, I want to have a little drinky while we're doing it. I think that would be that so would much be fun. a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm going to set all the recording stuff up first. And like set oh, up the, my God. the episodes in the so- in the Reaper software that we use. And uh, Reaper, you can... Um, pro- um, sponsor us that'd be fantastic yes, please um and then so it's all ready to go and all i have to do is hit record and then and it would i'm, I'm excited i'm excited oh, i'm excited too and then um what else did i want to say to you oh um movie battle did not come out last wednesday so it's supposedly it's coming out this wednesday yes the 25th. yes yes it'll I, come out it will come out yeah. and it will be funny but i I just felt like our intro was so good about it that I was like, <laughs> it really would have been nice if this was here, but he was busy and I understand. I yes, totally get it. I happens. mean, he's a hardworking guy. So yes. please check out Movie Battle. It's coming out today. Uh, find it wherever you listen to podcasts yes. and listen to Tina and I fight and scream at each other. It well, great. that's not true. Tina does a fantastic job and I tell her that this whole thing is shit. What the fuck are we doing here? Um, but yes. uh, you came into my home today. Yes, and no Christmas. <laughs> There's no Christmas tree. It's just weirding me out, actually. So I took it down on what day? What day was Friday? Whatever that was, March 19th. Yeah, yeah, that's Listen. when I took down the tree. Well, that was you, a record. You know what? Record, bitch. Record. Aren't you? You so you're part Irish. Mm-hmm. So you keep it up till uh, St. Patrick's Day. There you go. Yep. There you go. <laughs> uh, that's what we did. It has nothing to do with how incredibly lazy. Well, and then all of the presents were still under. Like the, yes, they and were. And then here's the best part because I knew in my head that I would have to drag this tree out the front door, which was right right next to the front door, and I just didn't want anybody to see me. So I thought, all right, I'll wait till the sun goes down. <laughs> so like, if a neighbor sees me, that's night. okay. But like, I don't want anybody it's like to dragging be like, a body yeah. out of the house. Well, that's not what happened. So I. It, I get home from work. I take all the shit off the tree. I put, you know, and nobody yeah. wants to help take anything down. Cleaning up all the needles. Oh, the needles. I take it off out of the stand. I And it was broad daylight. I open the front door. I take the tree and I like <laughs> just fucking dragged it and kicked it out. And it went off the porch onto the, onto the lawn. And this woman who was watching her son play baseball started laughing so <laughs> fucking hard and I just like waved at her and I was like that's right honey this is this is what's happening in this yes. house like waving and then I swept up like 50 pounds of needles oh, the needles are the worst part so yeah now you can see my house again and the best part is well my husband has a drum set in the corner which has our area rug on it right like that used to be in the middle of the floor so now the whole wood wooden floor is yes. open and you know what I want to do there right I want to fucking skate like now I'm like my skates are here <gasps> oh. and I'm like now and I tell my son, do not skateboard in the house. I'm totally fucking roller skating here. That's happening. <laughs> so I It'll went roller perfect. skating this week and I fell Aww. at the rink in front of everybody. I have a huge bruise on my knee, but um, it was worth it. Oh my goodness. The best. You have to come roller skating. I'm going to try, but I, I'm, I told you I'm going to need the little walker like the three-year-old. That's fine. It's been a long time. That would be I, I don't a funny think video I skated at all. Since, I, yeah, that was- since like maybe seven years old. What? Yeah. Tina, come on. Yeah, you got to have- come with me. <gasps> Okay. Yes. The what else? Only What's going thing, on with you? Well, not much. It's just been a busy week. The only thing that I thought was hilarious was the headline 
uh, in a couple of newspapers today about Miami shutting down. Oh my God. Because there are so, they said that there were so many spring breakers. Mm -hmm. It was like a rock concert in the streets. Yeah. (laughs) And no one's wearing masks. Yeah. Because we don't have a governor that can, like, you know, put any rules forward. No, so. and they're saying that they declared a state of emergency. A state they of emergency. At, they put a curvy in eight place o'clock. at 8 o'clock and shut down the highways getting yeah. into Miami Beach. Can you imagine? Because you, you had to go over some bridges yes. to get there. Yes, Holy But now cow. these hotels are packed yeah. with a bunch of college kids oh my God. from 8 o'clock onward that aren't going out. And guess what else came out <laughs> earlier in the week? And that was like the end of this week. Yeah. Earlier in the week, it was that South Florida has is the most concentrated area of that that new strain yes. of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It's incredible. Because everybody and comes in. Yeah, but meanwhile, the governor's like on a victory lap around yes. the state he's telling such, everybody how great everything he's is. so and stupid. Patting himself on the back. Oh. What is I that? Hate everything. I mean, where is he getting this information? He's not going to, well, remember he was using the guy in Ohio who was like an Uber driver mm. to do all the numbers. It wasn't oh. even a scientist. Do you remember that from like months yes. ago? So, yes. I mean, we, you can't trust where he's getting his info. It's unbelievable. Okay. We have to get started because we have. Oh, we have a little muck today. A little muck today. But okay, so let me just promote a couple things for the show. First, uh, we have a little muck coming out this Friday, March 26th, and that is going to be Joe Scott. Yes. He is the current Broward Supervisor of Elections. That's a great and interview. Broward, where we live, is pretty famous for fucking up elections. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to say it. Yes, we um, are always in the news. We always have a problem, whether it's for a presidential election yeah, or a government. Pregnant gov- chats. It's, and- a, it's a whole fucking thing. So Joe, when Joe was elected, he ran on like uh, transparency and um, technology, technology, which is amazing. So he, we have a great conversation with him, especially about a current legislation that's moving through uh, the through Tallahassee right now in the state legislature, their session to uh, get rid of drop ballots where, or drop yes. boxes where you can yes. drop off your mail in. And ballot. other Where's, states, there are other states that are that have similar bills moving through. So even if you're not from Florida, yeah. Uh, it's a, it's really important to listen, and you can have some information to go back to your state reps to say right. why that's not. But a it's good very thing. it's a very partisan issue. It's three hundred thousand Broward County uh, voters voted this way. You were one of them. Yes. Dropped their ballot off at the drop box, um, and it's just very much to suppress voters and Democratic voters. And there's, I believe he said there's sixty seven counties in Broward and only five. I mean, in Florida, and only five are Democrats. The, these elected supervisor of elections, the rest are Republicans, and all of them are against. This this yeah, is not it's, something it's, that it's a lot of work. It's putting more work yes. on the supervisor of elections to figure out how to get people to vote, which is a hard task. Believe it. Can you yeah. imagine? Yes. It's hard without to without to vote. all of this other uh, stuff in the way. It's so frustrating. Uh. So listen to that conversation on um, with 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 Joe Scott, Lil Muck this Friday, and then also we have not talked about this, and I don't know why. But we have Patreons. We have a, we a have patrons yes. who give us money every month. Yes. Um, and it, you go to patreon.com. And we started doing this thing last month and have yes. never brought it up on the show that if you are a patron, a patron of ours. In the top two uh, tiers. And you give us money every <laughs> month. We put content on patreon.com yes. where Tina randomly picks a question and we answer it. It's like a it's, five, and they're six ridiculous. minute they're ridiculous. It's dumb ass <laughs> shit, but we've it's, never promoted it. Yes. Like, I don't know why we've never talked I about know, it. We forgot about so, it, but we love our, our, pa- our, oh our patrons gosh. on Patreon Forget are it. amazing. And we just have a, a new Patreon. Yes. Robin, uh, Robin Margaret is a new yes. Patreon as well. So what, we when really, is she coming down here in that RV, by the way, uh, I'm dying. I hope soon. Yeah. So get on there, check it out. Uh, 
become a patron of ours on patreon.com yes, we, and uh, help really support have, our yeah podcast. we appreciate the support yeah. thank and you i guarantee you patreon's going away the second we make our multi-million dollar uh podcast deal, deal right, Tina? <laughs> like we're not going to need someone to throw us five bucks every month will we well, no, but <laughs> I still like the idea of giving, you know, special oh, content, content. Yeah, all right, things like all that right. could be we'll fun. We'll figure out how to do that. Yeah. All right. So I am, would oh, you have anything else, darling? No, that's it. That's it. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. So I am first this week. I, are you good? I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Oh, by the way, Tina's wearing the cutest fucking overalls I've ever seen. I was like, girl, Thank stand up, stand up, stand up. Thank you to my sister-in-law. Uh, they're adorable. You look adorable. We Thank both look you. good in fucking overalls. Probably the only piece of clothing we both can fit into nicely. <gasps> OMG, can wait a minute. Can we get matching overalls that are like muck overalls? Please, and, and also we're not talking about our amazing photo shoot last night. Oh my God. After we, re- 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 we recorded the episode, <laughs> yes. that night we went and, and took photos with our executive producer, Alfredo Olvera. Alfredo Olvera, realtor, as he wants yes. us to mention. Realtor. Uh, he took our pictures and some of them came out incredibly hot. Tina is so sexy. In oh, no. Photo. Oh, fuck you. Lies. It's amazing. <laughs> amazing. And then we look at the picture. I go, oh, Tina. She goes, I don't like my neck. I'm like, okay. what the fuck? I'm like, you're, who's looking at your neck, bitch? That face. Oh, my God. You're gorgeous. Oh, my God. Absolutely Thank you. gorgeous. I, I nitpick everything. It's fine. You looked beautiful. So. It was fun. It was fun. And those are for a specific uh, article that's going to yes. be coming out or little whatever. But I think we should put a post up of the pictures, to be honest. Yeah, we'll put some of them up. Yeah, right. after the article after comes, comes out. out. Yeah. All right. So let's get started. Um, I am going to cover. This is hilarious. This is a great story. I know it's not hilarious, but it's fucked up. <laughs> Former U.S. Representative Robert Potter. Oh. Okay, here we go. Robert Potter was born in Granville County, North Carolina in June 1800. No specific, we don't know the birthday. Just, okay. We know it the, the month, right? Which I would love. Like, how about just remember my the month and day, but forget the year. Yeah, That's why what, not? Why are we doing 1800s? Forget yeah. my year. Just give me, the, give me the date. Just, okay. We just need to know your sign and that's all. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Pisces. Um, he's the son of Thomas and Susan Walker Potter. Thomas Potter, Potter is said to have been a member of a family of substantial merchants and farmers and a man of good character, but no financial success. This is his dad. There's something known. There's nothing known of the schools that Robert Potter attended, but he later demonstrated good knowledge of the classics and fluent command of the English language with unusual oratorical ability. Oh, this is my kind of guy. I know appointed. This is how I would describe you. This is how he's (laughs) appointed a midshipman at age 15. He spent six years in naval service along the Atlantic coast and in the West Indies. He resigned from the Navy in March, 1821 and returned to North Carolina studying law in the office of Thomas Burgess of Halifax, quickly passing the bar examination and beginning practice. So they, they used, it wasn't law school, right? Right. You would go and study under another lawyer to become a lawyer. You can still do that today, I believe. Oh, really? There's, yeah, there, there's a way that you, um, it, I think it's in certain states if you clerk for someone. That's amazing. And then you can pass the bar. I like that. Why spend yeah. all this money on law school? Yeah. I don't think it's every state. I, 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 please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that that is a pathway. That's cool. Yeah. In 1824, Potter ran for election as the representative of the borough of Halifax in the North Carolina House of Commons in opposition to the incumbent, Jesse A. Bynum. Another young lawyer. So these two fucking hated each other. Uh-oh. Like they would fight. I mean, but like brawl and like fight at the polls. And they were just like 
they just fucking hate it. Like it was physical all the time with between I these like two. That. The spirited campaign. <laughs> no, why? But I know. I do. They're scrappers. Scrappers. Yeah. The spirited campaign seems to have been characterized by personalities and arguments rather than issues. Bynum was declared the winner, but Potter charged that the count was fraudulent and challenged his uh. opponent to a duel. <laughs> we never get away from these fraudulent elections. No, it's like in, so, ingrained in our history. It's kind of <laughs> fucked. If the uh, if the candidate is saying that it's fraudulent, it's a yeah. little less like like yeah. there should be somebody else, like an elections board or somebody. Oh, I know. So, and I, so now there's a duel. Yeah. So, but, well, no. So Bynum refused to fight on the grounds that Potter was not a gentleman. Oh, <laughs> dang. He didn't have the white glove and slap him yeah, in the face. No, with it. no. It was very inappropriate <laughs> the way that he asked to shoot him. The two men again sought the seat in 1825, which was the following year. And the rival, rivalry provoked a fight more than a brawl, like a brawl than a duel. Both were arrested, placed under peace bond, and published con- and published condemnations of each other, like in the paper. I love so this. There so was much. no, so they canceled the election that year. They wow. they said no, we're not dealing. You two fucking idiots, stay the <laughs> fuck out of here. No, so they they ran again in eighteen twenty six, the what? following year. So they just they 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 just like the attention. <laughs> They're just fucking with each yes. other, basically. Um, and I guess this whole area of where they are in North Carolina was known to be kind of wild like this. It's like yeah. people drinking and like, it was just a fucking wild place to run through. just so picturing, course, so like saloons and yes. like. And of course their candidates yeah. are like that, right? I love it. So he, so Potter, Robert Potter actually wins in the 1826 election and this like kicks off his political career. Um, and although he was a new and youthful member of the General Assembly of 1826 to 27, he introduced one of the more notable bills of the session and made one of the more, more sensational speeches. He proposed that the state borrow $220,000 to establish and support a political college. So in reality, this would be an agricultural school and academy where poor but intelligent boys selected from each county would devote three years to working on the farm and studying agriculture, the art of war, political economy, and morality. What do you think about that? Whose morality? Yeah, well... (laughs) And what political mm-hmm. leanings. Right. The agriculture part, like if you're taking poor farmers and maybe they're learning like the business side of it or, mm-hmm. you know, this other thing, that could be kind of cool. But the other stuff feels like indoctrination. Yeah. <laughs> a little well, bit. Yeah. And he's trying to push his agenda. On yeah. People. But I guess I think he's also looking like he's thinking about himself, how he grew up. And, yeah. And, and finding ways for like these poor kids yes. to have access to education, yes. which is cool. The other yeah. stuff just seems a little... The art of war. I know. (laughs) I know. So they were then to spend another three years teaching at assigned positions in the state, right? So then like volunteer and do these other things, right? I mean, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, some of this sounds interesting. I agree. So Potter supported his bill in a long and unusual speech critical of North Carolina and its officials, especially three members of Congress whom he denounced by names. He's just always trying to fight everybody. Although as chairman of the Committee on Education, he later reported favorably on the bill, but it failed to pass. So in 1827, Potter moved from Halifax back to uh, the county where he grew up, Granville. And there he married Isabella Taylor. She was from a prominent family in Granville. In August um, 1828, he ran for election as a member of the House of Commons in that area. So now he's in a different county, right? So he wants to run again, but from in the new place where he lives. But in that, that election was marked by like just complete criticism of three banks of the state in the state. So the banks whose charters were soon to expire had begun to slow down its activities and then call in the loans that they had put out. 
right? Oh no. So this resulted in like financial stringency at like around and then aroused like, hostility. People are going to freak out. Yeah. Like just because your, your charter's running out doesn't mean that now my loan that was for five years is now two yeah. years. Right. Yeah, and no. so people were up in arms about it. Of course. Um, so then banking became this principal issue in the legislative session from 1828 to 29. And Potter was among those wishing to punish the bank's officers and stockholders for doing this. Okay, good. He proposed to confiscate the assets of the banks and to indict the officers for, for violation of the charters through excessive note issues, suspensions of payments and high rates. Cause that's the other thing they were jacking up the rates that they weren't paying like earlier. <laughs> Oh my God. So another legislator. Can never trust these banks. I know. Another legislator proposed to establish a new bank wholly controlled by the state government, its assets to be those confiscated from the former banks and the credit of the state, right? So I just take all the money out of these old banks and start a new bank. Oh my God. Supporters of the banks and fiscal conservatives work together to defeat to defeat both measures. In um, August 1829, Potter enlarged his field of operations by winning election as the representative to Congress from his district. As a congressman, he continued his his hostility to banks, including introducing a resolution which failed to pass, declaring that a national bank was unconstitutional and paper money was unwise. Oh, what are we going to use? Diamonds, (laughs) gold? Um, And then in 1831, he was reelected to Congress without opposition. Okay, so... My story's not going to be that long, but this guy's kind of, this is the major thing. Okay. I mean, there's another thing that happens after this that he's also known for, but like, this is the major thing that happens where it affects his life, like his personal life oh. and his career. And it's like incredibly, all right. So on Sunday, August 28th, 1831, Potter assaulted and castrated two <gasps> men, two men. Charging that his wife was guilty of infidelity with both of them. Let that sink in for a second. On the same day, he castrated two men, Tina. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like violence, dude. No, no, this is just... Insane. It's insane. It's insane. Okay. I mean, this is is a level of rage. I mean, we saw that he was a bit of a rage monster. No, but this is like... But this is out of control. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. Let's get into this like a little bit. Did he have any... uh, I mean, not that it was justified, but what what if these guys didn't even do anything with his wife? I don't think they did. Oh, my God. So... So he's just a jealous maniac. Yeah. So one of the guys was her cousin, a minister (gasps) in his 50s. No! The other was a nephew of the wife's stepmother, a 17-year-old boy. (gasps) So he's... Okay, so he's... He had a... He was mentally ill. I mean, I don't... Paranoid. I mean, I think he had a... I'm definitely paranoid. Yeah. But there's no... There's never a mental thing that's going to... Illness thing that's going to happen here. Like, this is just... He thinks he's justified. Just like asking someone to duel. Like, he thinks he's justified in, like, this bullshit. So... He, he laid the charge of adultery on Taylor, and after a few angry words, he pounced on him like a wild beast, beating him senseless. This oh is the older God. man. So historian Robert W. Winston, quoted in a Potter biography written by Ernest G. Fisher, he said, quote, He then whipped out his keen, sharp <gasps> blade and castrated the man. No. Potterized him. That's what <gasps> they called it. Potterized, quote. Putting him to bed, he told him if he would keep quiet, his disgrace would not get out. Oh, my God. He said to him, quote, Potter said to the guy, quote, I have been very merc- merciful and kind to you. I have spared your life, <gasps> end quote. Potter then set forth in search of Wiley, which is oh, the kid no. who lived three or four miles near to um, near Oxford, then where the, the Reverend lived. Finding Wiley at home, Potter sprang upon him like a tiger, treating him just as he had Taylor. End quote. This is a child. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, so... 
no one knows what happened to the first one and he's just on the run finding this other kid. Right. Right. Well, we'll, we'll he yeah. gets caught. I mean, we'll so news of the action created a sensation in, in North Carolina. Potter was charged with mayhem on the younger man. Mayhem. He pleaded guilty and was in prison for six months and fined a thousand dollars. Mayhem. Yeah. He. Well, remember this is the eighteen hundreds. I mean, uh, you know. So they're going to say, well, it wasn't attempted murder. He's I get on- right. So, so the indictment for the attack on the older man was deferred on the grounds that the victim might die. Like they're waiting to see, like you could, you oh. could bleed out for fuck's sake, right? Yes. Um. Well, he and recovered. he beat him senseless. You yes. Know, like the brain injury. Who knows? Oh lord. So the guy, uh, the old, the reverend, he recovered, and in March 1832, Potter was tried for assault with a deadly weapon. Again, pleading guilty, he was sentenced to two years in prison and required a post to post a peace bond when released. The judge ordered that his confinement or being in prison would be in Hillsborough rather than Oxford for his own safety. Potter resigned his seat in Congress in November 1831 because of all of this, right? Well, good. And while in jail in Hillsborough, Potter wrote a lengthy, quote, address to the people of Granville County letter justifying his conduct and declaring <gasps> that his prosecution and punishment were politically motivated. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, so it's you okay. Just act cut crazy. the balls off of two guys. Yes. And that's a political, politically motivated. Like this politically motivated is the worst fucking two words ever put together. Come on. Uh, I, I don't it's even know. It's a way that these guys what, escape I understand. The, the, the actions that I they take. I am just shocked. Yeah. That he castrated two men. Remember when Jim and Jordan that was. And this is politically yeah. motivated. So, yeah. so I, I, I don't get it. I don't either. So he wanted support. He wanted people to say, oh my God, this poor guy. He was driven to it because of his, his wife. Right. And oh. how dare they actually prosecute him for this? Then, because if they do, it's because he was he's a cuckold and blah, blah, yeah. blah. I wonder what the laws were at the time as far as adultery oh, and things good, like that. That's a good question. You know? Yeah. Like like if if there was... It, well, obviously... Because, you know, back then, I, I feel like that there would probably oh, yeah. be something... The wife like, would be, like, yeah. eaten or something. Yeah. Um, so then he was indicted for libel of the judge because the case was never brought to trial. So now that he says this thing about how it's, it's a politically motivated, the judge is like, go fuck yourself, yes. bitch, right? So he's like, <laughs> I don't think so. So when Potter's prison term was up in March 1834, he took the oath of insolvency, which is bankruptcy, and was released without payment of his fine because he's like, oh, I don't have any I don't money. Have money. Yeah. yeah. Mm, must be nice. He soon ran again for the House of Commons. No, he didn't. <laughs> in a campaign marked by violence between his supporters no. and his opponents and efforts of his brother-in-law to kill him. <gasps> because the wife, by the way, was like, bye. Yes. Like, get the fuck out of here. Well, and what about the 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 parent, the family members oh, of these people? About it. Can I you mean, imagine? Oh. Psycho. And then he runs for office. He's it's like that is the Tina, coo- this is 1800s, the 1800s. It never ends. This no. is like, it, like I said, it, it, this is something ingrained in the fabric of our, of our but American it's the culture. Ego it's crazy. And the, it's the ego and like the, the, uh, of the white man, like this yeah. idea of like, it doesn't, I can yeah, do I deserve the it. I deserve I want, it. And I should be the one sitting yes. up there, even though I just cut the balls off of two people. One I of them a jail. child. Oh my God. What a I fucking mean, that psycho. poor person, like that's oh his whole God. life. Uh, <laughs> it's fucking insane it's yeah. insane oh goodness um but his victory no yeah no yeah yes what his victory under the, to the house yeah no he got reelected. Oh tina <laughs> tina let me let me give you a little story about america let me tell you a little story they you love can, bullies they and love and this. just it's, horrible people okay and they're so easy <laughs> the american voter is so easy easily manipulated and we need to figure out how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, we don't know how to do it. This man is so good. 
Or no, cut, or other people are so bad cuts, that they love that. That maybe. they're like, look at this guy. If it was my maybe. wife, I'd do the same thing. Wow, this guy's amazing. Remember maybe when Trump said he that. could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and get yeah. elected? I believe that that's true. I believe yes. that that's true. Yes. Oh, a hundred, uh, a, th- a thousand this percent. This guy is so good. Yeah. He actually castrated two men and was re-fucking-elected. This is the most insane thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Like America, the, the, <laughs> America, God shine his light on me. Is that oh, how that song goes? Um, We're the best. Uh, number God. one, number one, number one. <laughs> okay, let's stop shitting on this horrible place. Yeah, All right, so yeah, we love tr- our country. We oh, just are. Fr- yeah. We are frustrated. Well, because there should be things in place, like if you enact, you know, uh, an act of violence. Uh, on another human being that you are not permitted to well, run for yeah, office. Yeah, because you there, know, there should now be if you're some a felony, kind of, if you have things like, I think there's certain things where you can't, right? Aren't there certain things where you can't run for office again? Come I on. think it depends on the seat. Right, or the state. like whatever, uh, Or wherever, the state, yeah. 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 Okay, so in the General Assembly of 1834 to 35, Potter's eligibility was challenged since his recent oath of insolvency, like the bankruptcy, indicated that he lacked the 100-acre freehold required for members oh. of the House, right? So this is how they okay. kept... Uh, people out or right. you had to own land and be a property owner. Well, there you go. To be able to, all right. God, but the investigating God. committee, the investigating <laughs> committee sustained him as the owner of an adequate piece of land, even though insolvent because a mortgage prevented sale of the property. So they're like, yeah, oh. he can stay. It's okay. Just cross your legs when he passes you. Yeah. <laughs> please. <laughs> um, I don't like laughing at my own jokes, but that was funny. No, that was funny. The most no- <laughs> noteworthy legislation of the session was the passage of a bill providing for the call of a convention to revise the state constitution. So nothing, he wasn't really, Potter's vote in opposition followed Granville County tradition, but was uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically conservative. He took no prominent part in legislation and kept silent when the legislature heard and granted his wife's petition for divorce, change of name and custody of their children. Oh, so he was like, all right, I'll let this happen. Yeah. I'm sitting here. Yeah. Like, just this is. And really, that's what's uncharacteristic about this guy, I think. The fact that he did not even fight or say anything about that. Because he doesn't seem like someone who would just let his wife walk away. He castrated two men. So I mean, no. you know what I mean? And the fact that they, that she got granted full custody and all of that at that time is, I mean, that's, that's. Get out of there. Yeah, but that's. Oh, it's huge. Not uh, common at the time either. Maybe if she had, the, she's from a prominent family, they were able to help her and. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they maybe, had friends. Well, and then maybe there was someone in that, you know, session with him yes. like, listen, this you have this going. seat, yeah. just keep your mouth shut yes. and we're going to move forward. That's right. So. I think that's probably what happened. Um, okay. So late in the session, Potter became involved in a gambling argument and he charged his opponent with cheating, pocketed, oh, no. he pocketed the money that he had actually lost and in the ensuing scuffle drew a pistol to defend himself. What a baby, this on, guy. On January 2nd, 1835, he was expelled from the North Carolina House of Commons because of this gambling thing. So they finally yes, throw him finally. the fuck out. Of so gambling. yeah, it's, yeah so, gambling is bad, but uh, you know, destroying people's lives. No, that's fine. So in the summer of 1835, Potter goes to Texas, you know, because he's like, well, I feel like just to be out of North Carolina. Yeah, but I mean, Texas, I feel like while this is the place for him. It's still still a republic, right? So he arrives in Naco de Choses. (laughs) That's probably wrong. In time to participate in the Texas Revolution. 
He became a member of the Nacho Doceschus Independent Volunteers, but soon resigned to request and receive a colonel's commission. In February 1836, he was one of four men elected to represent Nacho Doces in a convention. He was then a member of the body that declared the independence of Texas, drafted a constitution, and mm. formed a provisional government. Oh. His experience in legislative bodies and his forceful personality which is a nice way to say it made him a leader he was appointed secretary of the navy in the government of provisional president david g burnett he set out for galveston to inspect the little texas navy um and on the way he was assisting a party of settlers fleeing to galveston in fear of mexicans oh goodness okay so they're now trying to establish texas as its own independent Yes. Place there. And then we do know that, that Mexico had a vested interest in that space yes. too. So there, all this is going on. And he's like, the U.S. didn't want me. Now yeah. I'm going to oh. participate and be part of this new government, new oh, yeah. place. And I'm going to yeah. bring all my knowledge with me. Yes. Honey. Okay. Oh. Let's see what happens. Yeah. So um, Potter was appointed commander of the port of Galveston oh. after the battle of San Jacinto. He disagreed with Sam Houston. We've covered, you covered the yes. beautiful Sam Houston on a number of points. And his brief service as secretary of the Navy ended when Houston was elected president of the Republic of Texas in September, 1836. Potter retired to private life, spent a year farming on the Sabine, Sabine River and built a home at what is now Potter's Point on Cato Lake, then in Red River. Now Mark Potter's Point. Yeah. Come and on. He farmed where he was farm. He was farming on the land and he practiced law living with him was Harriet Moore Page, one of the refugees he had helped to reach Galveston. Okay, one of the settlers. Yeah. She okay. was a member of a respectable family who had moved to Texas, but was but she described her husband, Solomon Page, as a drunken ne'er-do-well who did not support her. So, right? so she fled, left her husband. Okay. She let her, later claimed that Potter said that her marriage to this her first husband was invalid by Texas law and that he and she were married by bond. So she flees this terrible marriage. Yes. And he's like, oh, honey, that wasn't a real marriage. Yeah. You're but married. We're to now me married because we're spending time together. Yeah. So we're oh. together, right? She's like, oh, great. <laughs> That's fantastic. So she and Potter lived together as man and wife and had two children together. Oh. He was twice elected as a <sighs> member of the Texas Senate, serving in the Fifth and Sixth Congress. This is unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Uh, in the meantime, Potter had become involved in a frontier feud with a neighbor, William Pickney Rose. Oh, okay. gosh. So this guy can't stay out of trouble. He, he cannot do it. The two men were leaders of rival factions, apparently trying to preserve order and prevent crime, but also seeking control, right? It's just a wild time, Tina. I mean... Well, because people want land. Yes. Whose land? How do you determine whose yes. land is what? And, and the way they figure that out... Who's putting stakes up on the land? Yes. You're on my territory. That's your territory. Yes. I put you this know. fence here. It belongs Duh, to me. Don't let your cow shit. graze on my yes. and so, pastures. Yeah. And, and the way they solve those things is just by fucking shooting each other. Now yeah. we have gangs, <laughs> right? For farms. It's yes. fucking crazy. Wild times. So um, Rose was charged with murder. And Potter took a group of men to Rose's home to arrest him. So this guy, Rose, was, like, fighting with all kinds. But they couldn't find him, right? So, because remember, Potter's also a lawyer. Like, you know, yes. he's involved in all of this, right? So they go to arrest Rose for, for murdering somebody. And then early the next morning, Rose and his supporters surrounded Potter's home. Because they couldn't Ooh. find him in his house. So then they came to Potter's house. And um, Potter attempted to escape by diving into the lake and swimming underwater. But when his head emerged, <gasps> he was shot and killed. <gasps> wow. Dude. They're like, we're going to wait for him to come yeah. up for breath. Oof, uh, oh, 
My So God. his body was recovered and he was buried at Potter's Point. So Rose and several of his followers were tried for murder, but the case was dismissed for lack of evidence. Oh my so, goodness. <laughs> well, I mean, as he sort of gets what happened to him. I mean, hello. You know? Right. Right. I mean, he, he got off lifestyle. What, yeah. what do you think was going to happen? But he got off of his crime pretty yes, easily. You're right. You're right. And now look what happens. Okay. So Potter was survived by Mrs. Page and their two children, one of whom had uh, soon died in an accident. So like after oh, his, oh my God, girl, it's this poor this, woman. Okay. So this, this is the, this is the end because it's like, it's so fitting because this guy's such a huge dick. <gasps> He's such a dick. Potter made a will the month before his death, leaving land and other property to Mrs. Page, right? Okay. And substantial bequests of land, including his homestead, to other women. <gasps> no. To other women. So he had things on the side and she didn't know. And now he's gotten himself killed because he's a jerk and giving away. Oh, no. So while in Austin, he wrote to Mrs. Page as Mrs. Harriet Potter, like he would send her things. But in his will... He did not call her his wife or <gasps> use the name Potter for her. So oh, he's telling her, no. we're married, honey. Oh, don't you worry, baby. Oh, Bitch, get it in writing no. is what I say. Get it in writing. No, so now what get happens to her? So she contested his will and initially obtained possession of the home that they had occupied. But after many years, the Texas court r- ruled that she was not legally married to Potter and that, sh- that the will was valid. Like, So she really doesn't get anything. Um, and that's the end of that. So in 1876, oh, no. yeah, yes, Tina, you oh, have to get that paper. This poor woman, this poor woman. I, you know, I know it's there a thing There was no common now. law. No, I know it's a thing now that people are like, oh, we're not going to get married. We don't need, we don't need a piece of paper, honey. Cor- yeah, like, you may jo- not need, you may not need the big church wedding. Like the, you may not need fine, the big ceremony. But you but- need that paper because let me tell you something. I've watched enough Judge Judy to know this. <laughs> courts were not designed for almost married yeah they will not go digging through who owns what yeah. whose money is whose that piece of paper prote- protects you so yeah. i'm just saying uh in Dang. 1876 this is the last bit but in 1876 a county in texas was named for potter oh, and in God. 1928 the state of texas had his remains moved to the state cemetery in austin and he's marked with a monument come on <laughs> why <laughs> he doesn't do deserve a monument oh my god wow my favorite what it's do you think so about this guy the guy's nuts (laughs) the guy is just combative castration i mean he's he's angry he's just seems just like such a bully and he's celebrated with a monument for eternity give me a break honey i'm rob i'm nick and i'm joe i love it i think it's kind of meh and i've never seen it we're keeping up with the Cardassians, a podcast covering seven seasons of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. But that's not it. We go down the wormhole of pop culture, life, and Garrick. New episodes every Monday on your favorite podcasting platforms. You can also interact with the show on Twitter at Cardassians Pod. And just like the Ferengi, we can't wait to stroke your lobes. I, I don't know. I don't know who you're doing, but um, there's a huge story this week in Florida, and. If you're not doing it, then I'm definitely going to be putting it on my list. But I have to tell you, if one of us didn't jump on this story this week. This is not a Florida story this week. Oh, shit. So we got to, someone's going to cover it next week. I know. It's huge. You know what I'm talking about. I believe I do. (laughs) Okay. We are sort of in the same time period this week. Oh, my gosh. So today. An oldie. An oldie. I'm going to tell you the story of the 1891 lynchings. (gasps) 
of 11 Italian Americans oh. in New Orleans. <gasps> New, New Orleans did this? I know. God New damn Orleans. It. These motherfuckers. Italian Americans. Are we going to get the Nevada? There'll be some. Maybe there'll be some. Is that offensive? No, I mean, no, 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 no. All right. So while walking home from work, several unknown men shot police chief David Hennessy, who later died. But when suggestions that Italians were to blame, pressure mounted and it led to one of the largest mass lynchings in United States history. Holy cow. So our story does take place in New Orleans. I promise not to do another New Orleans story for a while because I feel, I feel like I've done a, well, it's a, a good bit. Place. It's a great, and so it's a great city. Um, I will go. I will venture uh, elsewhere. But we got to go there for a little muck. I mean, I mean, for a uh, regular muck. Yes, we do. Oh, my God. Muck we have to. And actually, uh, our friend Kate. Yes. Turned me on to the story oh, nice. and I was not familiar with She's it. She's so good. So, um. She's an associate producer now. She is. Yeah. She is. So before I get into details about what happened, I want to offer some background and I'm going to talk about that police chief and a little bit about the Italian community in New Orleans at that okay. time. So police chief David Hennessy, he had a really interesting background. I got some of this from his wiki page, which got the info from a couple of books. And then I found some other biographical info as well. But his wiki notes that Hennessy first earned a position on the police force by single-handedly beating down two thieves when he was a teenaged uh, messenger for the police department. Dang. And then he eventually became a detective at 20. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the Mafia wiki highlights another important piece of this story. In 1881, Hennessy, along with his cousin and some other like PIs, tracked down a known Italian bandit, this guy Giuseppe Esposito. And he was wanted back in Italy. So Italy was looking for this guy and he was in the States and he was wanted for kidnapping and for cutting off the ear of an English bank owner's son, this uh, young guy named John Foster. Jeez. And the page notes that Esposito was one of America's first big crime bosses. Mm. And they describe him as like this short, muscular guy and he had a scar between his eyebrows. And that's really, there. I, there's no like known photos of him, I don't think. And uh, they end up catching him and Esposito ends up deported back to Italy. Mm. The thing that's sort of funny is while he was in uh, New Orleans, Esposito went by a different name. He went by Vincenzo Ribello mm. and he was like this mild mannered fruit salesman, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, but you authority, yeah, authorities yeah. kind of saw through it. And all these people were like, no, 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 it's Vincenzo. It's no, not this guy. And they're oh, like, no, 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 no. Like this. he's got to go. I, you know, you know what that reminds <laughs> me of these fucking Nazi soldiers or generals oh when they would come hide out come in america and oh it says my gentle grandpa yes motherfucker yeah yeah so this site along with another claim that hennessy may have been murdered uh by esposito's men Mm. because um this happened a couple years before he was murdered but other people say that it may have been a different mob family or another group altogether so there's no real like knowledge of who was actually to blame for the murder of this police chief. For example, the mob museum states that he was killed by the Mano Nera, which is the Black Hand. Mm. So this group is really interesting. So the Black Hand were in major cities. They were in New York, Chicago, New Orleans for this like 30-year period Mm. from like the late 1890s through 1920 or so. And according to a Britannica article, they were extortionists. So they would deliver like a printout of like, 
a black hand on a, on yes. a piece of paper and yes. they'd put it up on a door. Yeah. Or there would be a dagger <laughs> printed on the oh, paper. God. And they would, something menacing like that, that they would put on you know, a uh, well-to-do business or so someone you know prominent. You're now you're targeted. Yeah. And it basically meant like, you have to give us money or you're going to face the pain of death. And so oh how God. are you fighting against that? No, like if that shows up, you're like, here, of course I'm going to pay yeah, you. Take it. <laughs> like I better pay it. Yeah. So they knew what it symbolized. They knew what was behind that symbol. So it was pretty uh, threatening. And mm. how, how do you fight that? No, you really can't. No. So Another theory was that Hennessy's murder may have had to do with this feud between the Provenzanos and the Mantranga families. So Hennessy was set to testify against members of the Provenzano family, many of whom he had arrested. Mm. But allegedly, he was set to testify within days of his murder and present evidence that would have cleared the Provenzanos and would have implicated the Mantrangas. So the suggestion is that members of the Mantranga family right. had him offed before he could testify and provide that testimony. Could they have, could they have known that? Well, if they have informants in the police department, right, you right, know what right, I mean? Right. Like, because they have connected political co- connections and all of that. Jesus. So, so it's just interesting. So there, there's several possibilities of who it could have been. But regardless of the reason, the mayor of New Orleans at the time, Joseph Shakespeare, hmm. he went on a hunt for Italians. And supposedly, according to a Wikipedia article on the lynchings, he said, quote, scour the whole neighborhood, arrest every Italian you come across. He also called on citizens of New Orleans to, quote, teach these people a lesson they will never forget. Oh, the article further notes that 45 Italians were arrested. One guy just happened to live across the street from where the murder took place. Mm. Um, and while some of the men may have been involved, not all of these Italians were connected to any of this. And the way that the mayor spoke about the Italians, it led to all of this anti-Italian sentiment, this right. negative attitude towards Italians and treating Italians with prejudice and, and all of that. Oh, you mean so people saying terrible things about a certain uh, demographic would, would, would provoke violence? Right. Like just Hello? recently happened, which we didn't talk about, which is horrible, is the, 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 the shooting of, of these those women. women. Yeah. This is unbelievable. Yeah, but when you use language, yes. words have And you're in power. a position of power. Words People have look at power you. and meaning. Oh, it's terrible. the way they treated this piece of shit guy. Oh, he had a sex addiction. Oh, he's oh, having give a me, bad day. Oh, bad day. Go fuck yourself. Oh, my God. Fuck it's, you. It's, it's, it's We need disgusting. to start confronting all of this. All of this. Yes. It's unfucking believable It's, it is, the fact that they offered that excuse, it just made me sick. Yeah. So gross. So I want to talk about Italians in New Orleans at this time. And it's 1891. Mm. It's sort of, it's post-Civil War. It's post-Reconstruction. And there's an article in the New York Times by Brent Staple. It's called How Italians Became White. And it talks a little bit about this case. So Staples talks about like, it's a really interesting article because he talks about this idea of whiteness and how some races were considered more white Mm -hmm. than others. And not just here, but in Europe. And specifically with Italy, and this is like a known thing for Italians, like Northern Italians think that they're sort of better than the Southern Italians. Mm -hmm. My family's Southern Italian. Mm -hmm. And not only is it because of wealth and money, but also because of fairness and color and skin tone. Yes. Um, So this exists in every single uh, country and every single uh, ethnic group. So in Italy, 
Staples explains how the Northern Italians felt superior to Southern Italians and Sicilians Mm -hmm. because of the, like we talked about, they were fairer in color um, and also the the monetary discrepancy, that socioeconomic issue, and that the Southern Italian Sicilians were sort of like that proximity to Africa. Mm -hmm. Like there's, you know, it's it's all of this. Of course. The article is just really interesting. And in Europe... Italians were also considered on the lower rung too, as compared to British, French, German, Irish. Mm. Like they're like on the lowest, um, or, or they were. I don't have, know. Have, have any of these folks eaten Italian? I food? know. They should How be a number dare one. They? A number one. I went to Caruso. I guess yesterday. because it's more like Mediterranean. You know what I mean? Yes. It's it's you know well, when you think you, of Italians and Greeks. Yeah. It, have you been to Caruso's Market over there? In, in Oakland Park? I had lunch there yesterday. No, I haven't been there. Oh, you got to go over there. <gasps> it's need- so good. <laughs> Tina, I so need to good. go. Okay, so the article further notes how Southern Italians faced discrimination and couldn't use, and this is, was in the U.S., couldn't use the whites-only areas. Mm. They wouldn't be allowed access to movie theaters or other white-designated areas. Wow. And the other thing is they weren't Protestant, right? They're Catholic. Oh. So there's that other issue as yes, well. Yes, yes, yes. So over time, derogatory terms develop like Dago mm. and Guinea, which I didn't realize the term Guinea started off as a term for slaves. Oh, my god! Um, which I was not aware of um, until I did some research for this. And then Italians were also associated with blacks in America because they took jobs with black folks. They were working in the fields. They were living in black neighborhoods. So they end up sort of getting targeted and profiled. And newspapers printed things about Southern Italians that made them appear less than as well. One quote from the New York Times, I picked this quote because it's the exact area where my family is from. And so I was like, okay, they were talking about Italians getting the smallpox vaccine. Mm. And they described one of the men as, quote, a burly fellow whose appearance was like that of the traditional brigand of the Abruzzi. And brigand is like a bandit or a robber from the forest. So it's basically like this uncivilized hillbilly brute. Mm. You know, like that was sort of the idea um, of this region mm. um, and, and the people that came from there. Another quote, there has never been since New York was founded so low and ignorant a class among the immigrants who poured in here as the Southern Italians Jesus. who have been crowding our docks during the past year. What the fuck? And the U.S. Department of Immigration even distinguished between Northern and South, Southern Italians listing Northern as white and <gasps> Southerns as non-white when they wow. came into the country. Yeah. Prior to the lynchings, a thesis by Caitlin Kennedy for the University of Mississippi revealed that the Italian consulate at the time, a Pasquale Corte, spoke to the mayor and the governor begging for these men to be treated fairly, the men, all these men who were arrested, mm-hmm. and was very concerned about their safety. But Shakespeare, the mayor, put together this group of people, including politicians called the League of 50, who went forward with the investigation and they continued to push forward this anti-Italian agenda that ends up fueling what happened at the time. And I just got to say with Pasquale uh, Corte, I had a a Z Pasquale, an uncle. Yeah. um, And I love... I love the name Pasquale. Me too. I wanted to name one of my children Pasquale. I want to go Pasqualine. No, but nobody. He wouldn't wouldn't go for it. No, little Pasqualine. Yeah. Wouldn't that be so damn cute? Say it again. (laughs) 
Pasqualine. I love it. <laughs> so I love cute. It. I love it. Oh my god. Little okay. Pasqualine. <laughs> Pasqualine. Oh Pasqualine. My god. Am I saying that right? I, so I cute. want to be able to say these things so. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so you wouldn't even know the major. You know, my, you know I have Italian. In my yes, All I right, do. I'm just, I'm making that's sure why. That's that, why know. we're connected. All right. All right. So the major incident. An article from the Jesuit Social Research Institute in, explains that after about five dozen Italians were arrested, eleven of them eventually go to trial. But this account, like many others that I looked at, say that the jury didn't feel that there was enough evidence to condemn all of those that were arrested. Mm. So eight were found not guilty and three of them got off due to a mistrial. So can I ask something? Yeah. This guy was, how was this, the chief killed? He was shot? He was shot. So 11 people did that? I mean, why so, are we not going So supposedly the way that he was shot was, um, one account said that it was with these sawed off So guns. multiple people. And the sawed-off guns were typically, like, the weapons that, like, mafia used. Okay. So there was that idea. And then supposedly, while he was shot, he w- they said, who did this to you? And he whispered, Dago's. Motherfucker. But, right to the end. But the, oh. some people say, like, no, he, that didn't happen oh. at all. Oh. <laughs> that they used that. Oh, they, they made it up. They may have made Girl. it up. Yeah. Because he died in the hospital, and he couldn't give them, like, the names of who did it. Jesus. Yeah. So after the trial, the 11 men were sent back to jail that night, and 150 men, including politicians, police officers, high-standing businessmen, Mm -hmm. they published a notice for the next day's paper that basically encouraged citizens to show up at 10 that morning at a local statue and deal with what they saw as a failure of the Hennessy trial. And they told folks to quote, come prepared for action. No. The article explains that six to 10,000 people (gasps) showed up and they started chanting. We want the Dagos (gasps) and they head towards the jail. No. So that's a lot of people. That's fucking insane. It's crazy. Plus the streets of new Orleans are narrow. They're narrow. These people. So oh my God, 40 dude. men in the mob entered the jail. They shot nine of the 11 <gasps> men. One man was shot 42 times. Oh my God. Two others were hanged on trees outside of the prison. What the fuck? And similar to the murder of Reuben Stacy in episode 61. Remember yes, where we talked yes. about people taking mementos? No. Kennedy's thesis noted that women dipped their handkerchiefs in the blood of <gasps> these men to take as souvenirs. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's like a fucking uh, it's, horror it's, movie. It's a horror movie. Wait, can I ask you something? Are we really that evolved? That like, this That's, is a, and we're really, we're that uncivilized it's as human disgusting. beings? It's, it's disgusting. Fucking, can you like, imagine taking dip, out a fucking ugh, dip in ugh. whose blood? In who, I, I mean, I hate some people, but I I'll would never, never want to dip a handkerchief, a hanky no. in blood for no. their blood. No. What the fuck? And I wouldn't wish them dead or a horrible death oh. either. Girl, this is uh, Tina. It's terrible. This story must be killing you. So, how, does this crush you? It was just, I. it's very sad. I can't even imagine you're doing this story. So how did things go down? What happens now? Like these men have been killed. Mm. So Janet McConaughey of the Associated Press wrote that three of the men killed did have criminal records. One was a known mafiosa, but at least five had no records at all. Mm. Adam server of buzzfeed he wrote this extensive article on the lynching it's a really really great article and he cited a story from once a week uh the illustrated weekly newspaper about one of the victims and this is so just a trigger warning here Mm -hmm. 
Um, it's, it's awful. So, quote, the crowd pulled Emmanuel Polozzi outside and strung him up by a tree. The rope broke. They strung him up again, but Polozzi pulled himself up the rope by his hands. Mm. One of the mob climbed up and punched Polozzi in the face, but Polozzi kept pulling himself up, so the crowd bound his hands. <gasps> Finally, Polozzi hanged. The crowd cheered, fired a volley of bullets into his corpse, then grabbed at his body from a cob souvenirs. Can you imagine? He's like climbing up this rope to try to get away. It's it's so it's, it's so scary. Sad. So uh, McConaughey's reporting also cited a historian who stated that the lynching was, quote, a horrific act of collective violence inspired by ethnic prejudice. And it has a claim to constituting the largest mass lynching in U.S. history. But it was hardly the largest act of collective violence in the U.S. or even Louisiana history, because mm. the thing is, so many black people were yes. lynched and there were mass lynchings of black folks right. that... You know, and I'm going to talk about this um, in a little bit. So no charges for these people that did this act. There were no sentencing. Oh my God. And the aftermath of this, Staples article noted that the newspapers at the time, the New York Times included, justified the lynchings. And one article noted, quote, these sneaky and cowardly Sicilians, what? the descendants of bandits and assassins who have transported to this country the lawless passions the cutthroat practices are to us a pest <gasps> without mitigations. Our own rattlesnakes are as good citizens as they. Our own murderers are men of feeling and nobility compared to them. What in the Can you imagine? Fuck. This is what they printed. And another headline celebrated the killings with, quote, Chief Hennessy avenged 11 of his Italian assassins lynched by a mob. Now, here's the thing that's fucked up. Okay. <laughs> in 1892, New Orleans paid $25,000 in reparations. How many black families got reparations for people being lynched? Right? So I was like, what in the, how did this happen? So some articles noted that Italy, when they found out about these lynchings, got pissed off, Right. And according to Kennedy's thesis, Italy cuts off all diplomatic ties with wow. the United States. They pull their diplomat out of D.C. Whoa. And one wiki article notes that there was like fear that there may have been a war. Like we may have gone to war with Italy. There have to be consequences to so these actions, you motherfuckers. Italy demanded justice has to be served. Yes. So there's pressure. And I think to make things right, there was pressure on the government right to to do these reparations but what pressure is there to, for our black people in okay, america absolutely you know right, there's no one it's so messed up it's so fucked it's up. so messed up i like it made me upset like like i get it but there was a whole country backing the lives right. of these people and there yeah. was no one here fighting yes for the lives of all of the i mean that article that i that did a for uh reuben stacy the thousands and thousands of black people killed mm. So messed up. In 2019, CNN reported that New Orleans Mayor Latoya Cantrell was going to apologize for the lynchings on behalf of the city. So it was like a hundred something years later. Points of interest. One thing I found interesting is that according to Hennessy's wiki page, well, this is kind of just about Hennessy. So there was a gap in his service. So he was police chief and then... Or I'm sorry, he wasn't police chief yet. He was running to be police chief against mm -hmm. this other guy. Yeah. He kills that guy. Uh, excuse me. What? <laughs> what? Yes. 
he but kills what? that guy. He goes on trial. He claims self-defense. Oh, okay. of course. <laughs> so he's the right color it, yes, to do that well, as well. Well, yes. And the guy that he killed, it was a Thomas Devereaux. And he gets off for self-defense. Of course But he he's does. no longer in the police department. He starts this separate security firm. Oh, my God. And, but the security firm is working in New Orleans. And, like, he's got this put-together, you know, group. So when Gang. Mayor Shakespeare becomes mayor, he says, hey, you're going to be police chief and appoints him police chief and wow. brings him back to the force. So that's how he's connected to Hennessy. That's how he gets back on Got the force. So I thought that was interesting. And then this is another. Um, it's like this old boys club. Everybody's taking care of each uh, other. Yes. You know, this guy murdered someone. Yeah, and he got away with it. And you're going to put him as police chief. And that makes sense. Yeah, well, Starkey writes an interesting article for The Undefeated about whiteness and how immigrants earned white status. And he talks about the pecking order and the in-between place for some immigrants like Greeks and Italians who were often considered non-white, but who recognize, and this is the thing that I, it's, it's, it's so damn sad um, what happens because they recognized when they came to this country, that to be white mm. meant that you had access to power mm. and money. Right. And he cites a Serbian immigrant at the time in the early 1900s as saying, quote, you know something about this country. And he says that, that black people never get a fair chance. Mm. Right. So when you come here and you see that power dynamic, you what happens, you, you want to be in with yes. the, 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 the group that has power. Right. Naturally, and natural. That's, it's a, that's just, a natural it's, thing. It just is so gross, it's, though. It's fucked. So the article further noted that immigrants chose whiteness. And how do they prove their whiteness? Mm -hmm. They have to perpetuate white supremacy, right? Right. They have to imitate how whites treated blacks. Mm. And it sucks, right? This desire to belong to the powerful leading class ends up leading to inhumane treatment to avoid being treated inhumanely. The other thing I found in my research, there's a blog by Robin Harrington, and she wrote an article on race, immigrants, lynching, and prejudice, and mm. she posts these pictures, old newspaper clippings, cartoons, KKK flyers that Jesus. illustrate the anti-Italian sentiment that was happening in America at that time. One clipping cited a resolution that passed that was, you know, uh, that basically said, like, no Italians allowed kind of thing. Wow. Um, another was a photo of two Italians being lynched in Tampa, a cartoon Jeez. showing how to dispose of and arrest Italians. What the fuck? Uh, another one saying, you know, speak American. And so there's, and, and, and I feel like I'm a product of this sort of assimilation. Mm. Because when I, when I grew up, my mom's side of the family is more Americanized than my father's side. Okay. And my mother came here younger as a kid. Okay. And my cousins on my mom's side, like they don't understand Italian as much as I do mm. because it was always like speak back in English. Wow. All of the time. But my dad came here as an adult. So when mm. I grew up, he, he, he always spoke Italian. Yeah. So it was a little bit different where some of my cousins, you know, my aunts and my uncles would speak English and Italian and would go back and forth. Right. And my mom always made it a point like we had to speak back in English because some of my other Italians or relatives that went to school, that they didn't know the English words for things. And wow. then they had trouble in school in the early years. So it was like, okay, you have to learn the English. Um, so even though I understood it, I never had to speak it back. Mm. So I can, but on my dad's side, most of my cousins on my dad's side, they can speak Italian really well. Can, because Do you think you can speak it fluently? I can get by. Yeah. I mean, That's my family so awesome. is the dialect. 
So yeah. when I speak like the Pajantran, forget it. Like Italians from Italy are like, oh God, it, it you know, it doesn't sound good. What does okay. that mean? Native, like, so what is the Pajantran? What is that? Oh, oh, that's so that's from where my dad is from. Okay. So there's a different, different dialect for the region wherever he's yes. from. Yes. Ah. So I know that dialect. Right. There's a great Italian comedian that does, he's Italian, but he does yeah. all of the dialects. Mm -hmm. And it, whenever he gets to like the Abruzzese, it's so, it, it's so perfect. It's yeah. so funny. Well, it's not, yours sounds perfect to me. No, it's so bad. I, I, I can't tell you, the but I can you say something little, Italian, my face like blows up. <laughs> like I get so fucking excited. But we went so. to Caruso's yesterday and I walked out going, grazie, grazie, <laughs> cappuccino, grazie. Oh Congrats. my god! Like so I was such an idiot. My mom there. has. I would never do it in front of has, them. Has has pure <laughs> English American act. Like when she speaks, she wouldn't wow, know. Wow! My dad completely different. Like mm. you know, you could tell he's yeah Italian. Dang it! But my son, because he's around them all the time. My oldest, like he understands when they. My mom and dad speak <gasps> Italian. Wow! Like he can understand them. It's amazing. Yeah. So he's like, oh no, they said blah, 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 blah. And my younger one, not as much, but my oldest, like, no, Love like, that. yeah. So I'm like, I really want to foster that so yes, he yes. can get the language. But anyway, that's the story it. of the oh. Italian lynching <gasps> of 1891. It's just, just very sad story. It's, it's a very sad story, but the, the idea of, of, you know, having to move away from your culture you know, mm. in the house, the culture stays, but when you're out in the world trying to present yourself, yeah, and it's, it's, it's terrible. It, it is it just, terrible. It, and it, it just takes away. It does. And it shouldn't be that way. You no. know, this is supposed to be the land of the, the melting pot. You yeah. know, we should be welcoming different cultures and dialects and food and like, uh, you know, all music, all of it, all of it, all of it. I mean, give me a fucking break. I, I'm shocked by these, these quotes from the New York times. I My know. God. I know it's, it's. But that well, was know, the time. You I know? also like, feel like, so my husband's family is uh, Irish. Dockerty, Dockerty, yes. Dockerty, right? And uh, he would tell you the Irish were the most oppressed. That's what my husband would tell you. Yeah. You know, he would go through those, like, you know, any group that came over here that didn't assimilate immediately or whatever was yeah. completely tortured. I mean, it's like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's horrifying. It's I, just, I, but I appreciate your point about how no one was fighting for uh, black folks and no it's terrible no and and it's it just sucks like when I read about the reparations I was like you have to be kidding me like mm. that's great that that happened but what about all these other families no it's incredible it's, it's such and 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 because it was political pressure yes you know Ugh. well that's how anything ever gets done that's just yeah. no one's ever gonna these motherfuckers don't jump unless you're putting pressure on them and that happens today if you don't start calling their offices and saying, like, look at Chip Lamarca, Ugh. who will not return the phone call of a supervisor of elections in the county he represents, yes. that's incredible to me. What, what, I uh, mean, on a nonpartisan issue about his voting. Job. That's his job. I mean, it's fucked. Yeah, it is his job. That's his job is up. to answer the phone. I mean, it's What does a he do? What does he do all day? Mm. I would love to know. Well, I'm going to start track. I, you know, I, we're on this committee, this legislative committee, so I've got to start tracking all those bills, but- because their committee week is ending, bitch. So next week, I think, is the last week of committee. So things are going to start hitting the floor for votes. And Ugh, I've got so to go stressful. through and see what this guy's been up to. It's stressing me out. It is stressful. All right. Well, is that it? That's it. That's it. We have a a, a little month coming up, so we're going to yes. prep for that. All right. And we will see you guys soon. Bye. Bye.
If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.